Hello and welcome to the JCBC Podcast. My name is Sean and I'm so grateful that you found our podcast. Listen, the JCBC Podcast is a collection of several sermons that have been preached over the years at Johns Creek Baptist Church. I pray that as you find these sermons and you listen to them, they would meet you where you are in your journey. And I trust that God will do something in these words to lift up your head, if only for a little while. So go ahead and subscribe to us and follow along. Let me encourage you to please turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. 1 Corinthians 3, 16. And we are going to make our way to that text and many others. But before we do, as you find your place in your Bibles or on your device, um, let's take a moment and offer a prayer before the Lord as we begin. God, right now we stop and we breathe. And we find our collective breath together in you right now. For we have opened up your word, and in a moment, Lord, we will seek its wisdom. But more than that, we will seek you. So bring some word this day that enables your daughters and your sons to be transformed by your love, even now as we study. In the name of Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. So today is a big day. In fact, that may be the more recurring phrase I heard in the hallways from you, from one another, each other, as we're moving about. Today, we move into um, our multi-venue worship experience, a journey that has culminated in this day. In just a little while, we'll, we'll all take part in a consecration walk. We'll move over in a moment. But i got to tell you, earlier this week, as we're preparing and all the final preparations are coming together for this room and the other room, I got to tell you, I told, I told my team, the pastoral staff on Monday, it feels a little like, um, like Elizabeth when Mary came to visit her and the babe in her womb jumped a little bit. It feels as if there is something awakening within because the baby is here. And so we are excited about this day being not just the culmination of a long journey of discernment and prayer and conversation and preparation, but today we also begin a new series of sermons. You may remember that a couple of years ago when we began this deliberate journey of imagining how we might expand our worship experiences here at Johns Creek, we began with a series of sermons entitled Heart of Worship. We said that at that time, it was my conviction then, and it's all the more my conviction now, especially now, that before you ever talk about worship having a venue or a style or a particular way, you have to talk about why. Why in the world do we worship? And we began that two-year journey with a deliberate series entitled Heart of Worship as we studied the character and the nature of Christian worship. And I want us to book in to bookend this journey on the front end and back 
with another conversation about worship. That's why today we begin a series entitled Magnificent Obsession. It's not the movies from the 1960s. It's uh, Magnificent Obsession, a passionate pursuit of the one worthy and all through the month of August, we are going to be pursuing one thought. We're going to use as kind of a, a springboard, a platform from which to jump. We're going to use this thought that worship is never about a venue. Worship is not about a style. It's not about a particular musical taste. It's not about digital screens or cameras or lights. All of those things are pathways pathways to the thing behind all those things that worship at its very core is about learning how to somehow fix our mind's attention and our heart's affection upon the only one worthy of either of those two things and all month long we are going to be drilling deep on what it looks like to yield our lives in such a way that our mind's attention and heart's affection are fixed upon christ but for today we have a task in front of us. Today is Consecration Sunday. Now, what in the world is consecration? Consecration is the activity or the action of declaring or naming something as, as holy or as sacred. It's the action of naming something that is holy or sacred. And today, in just a little while, in a very practical way, we're going to walk over into the Family Life Center and we're going to name that place once again as sacred ground. You know, we've been doing this kind of thing for a long time. And by we, I mean um, mortals. We have been encountering the mystery of the divine all along our journey at one point or another. Even our ancient sisters and brothers, when they would encounter the mystery or the mysticism of this divine being, this holy other, they would do something. They would consecrate that space. They would point to it and say, hey, there, at that place, in that moment, something happened that was so unique, so holy, so sacred, that, that it's different than anything else. We even think about one of the ancient patriarchs, Jacob, among others, who in the wilderness encountered the Lord in all of the Lord's mystery and grace and love and beauty, and, and, and then he, he stacked a heap of stones together to remember it and made a pile of stones, and he consecrated it. He blessed it, saying something like this, I know these are just stones. I know they're just rocks, but they're not just rocks. Here in this place, something happened that changed everything. Later on, when the people of Israel became a people of Israel and they were fleeing from bondage in Egypt all through the Exodus, they pitched tents with one another and they, they worshipped in a what's called a tabernacle or it's kind of a mobile temple. Before they built the permanent temple of Solomon, they kind of worshipped in kind of a divine mobile home in which within a tent they would establish this, this Ark of the Covenant and on, on top of which were fixed the seraphim and the cherubim with their outstretched wings to one another. Okay, that's not the seraphim. And that's not the... 
but presumably there was a seraphim and a, and a cherubim. Are we up there? Good. And upon that place and upon which they have outstretched their wings, presumably God sat. So when they were in the wilderness, in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of change, in the midst of not knowing where this thing is going, they said, there in that place, we know on that spot, something is different. God is holy and God is here. Or later on, when they finally did build the temple, and we have a remnant of it here, the western wall of the temple of Solomon, and, and, and there they went through these amazing ceremonies and rituals in order to point and say, something is different about this house because of what happens in it. And so they went through these periods of consecration. Even our ancient sisters and brothers in the Celtic tradition, our Celtic uh, siblings over the ages they have a way of talking about these kind of places these kind of moments they call them um, thin places in the celtic tradition they they recognize that there were some places on earth that were so beautiful and, and so mysterious that in many ways it was hard to know where earth stopped and where heaven began and they called those places thin places because in some strange, mysterious way, we are encountering something different, holy, sacred. For ages, we who are mortal have found ways to marvel at the places where the holy meets the mundane or where the sacred meets the profane. And that's exactly what we're doing today. In just a little while, we're going to march over. I'm going to give you instructions on how we do it. We'll get over into the other space, and we'll pray, and we'll eat bread, and, and we'll take the cup, and we will sing, and we will dedicate once again that space to the holy act of worship. And forever and ever, we will point and say, this is the place where something unique happens. But before we do that, before we can get up and march and walk and call anything holy, I want to mess with you a little bit. I want to mess with your theology a little bit. I want, to, I want to poke around a little bit on the assumptions that we have about what is holy and what is profane. I want to mess a little bit with our assumptions about what is sacred and what is mundane and the space between those two things. And I do it with this statement. Can I provoke you with just one simple statement? The sacred and the holy are closer than you think. The holy and the sacred are closer than you think. See, human beings have a habit. Our habit is to categorize things in nicely labeled categories. These things over here are holy. These things over here are profane. Uh, these people over here are sacred. These people over here are mundane. And the trouble is, when you categorize one thing holy and something else not, you're in danger of thinking of one another that way too. And over the ages, whole systems of religion have been developed and cultivated in such a way as to keep some people thinking that they are holy and the rest of the world imagining that they are not. But if you are a follower of Jesus, you recognize that Jesus has 
collapsed the space between what is holy and what is mundane. Jesus has moved, removed, reconstructed the distance between what we call sacred and what we call profane. Because in the person of Jesus, both collided. There's a verse that I want us to kind of hang out in front of us. It's from Colossians 1. Hear these words. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him God was pleased to reconcile. That means put back together. That means close the gap, build the bridge, collapse the space. God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. We who follow Jesus recognize that in, in Jesus Christ, the space between what is sacred and what is secular has collapsed because in this ordinary person, this human being, the fullness of God's holy presence was infused, present, active in one person. So in Jesus Christ, you and I are provoked to imagine that there really is nothing secular in the world. There is nothing secular in the world because we believe what the psalmist said. In Psalm 24, we hear these words, the earth is the Lord's and everything that is in it, the world and all who live in it. That means there is no realm outside the realm of God. That means, that means every subatomic particle of every cell in every organism in the universe is infused with the imprint of God's own presence and action. So what are we saying? We're saying that you are closer to the holy and to the sacred than you could possibly imagine. Which means... It's already consecrated. The gym, the family life center, the world is already consecrated because God himself has declared it good and beautiful and right and holy. And what we do this day is we allow ourselves to wake up to a greater awareness of the presence and action of God that is everywhere, always around us. You know, if we pay attention to the universe, we, we hear this message. In Psalm 19, the text reads this way, the heavens declare the glory of God. That means everywhere you look in all the universe, each unique aspect of the created order has a way of proclaiming the presence of God's holy and sacred nearness. All through Scripture, there are places like this where we're told that nature itself already knows this but humans are trying to catch up that the world itself already knows the character of god and in each of its own way it it, it proclaims in their own way how beautiful and right and good and holy and perfect god is and what i find interesting glenn is that in some of our hymns there is this demonstration that all along we have known that we're the ones that are slow to catch up with this. I mean, we think some things are holy and some things are not. Some things are filled with God and some things are not. But the truth is, 
It sometimes takes human beings a long time to wake up to the awareness that God is in all and among all. So one of the hymns that we, that we sing on a regular basis kind of confesses this. It's great as thy faithfulness. The text reads this. Listen, summer and winter, springtime and harvest, all the seasons, sun, moon, and stars in their courses above, well, they join with all nature in manifold witness to thy great faithfulness, mercy, and love. See, this is why St. Francis referred to the moon and the sun as brother, son, and sister moon because we are siblings with all the created order that somehow already knows that we're in the midst of holiness if we can open our eyes to it. Another great hymn, one of my favorites, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. And in this hymn, there is almost an invocation where you and I are provoked to join something that's already going on all around us. All thy works with joy surround thee, earth and heaven, they reflect thy rays. Stars and angels sing around thee. Why? Because you're the center of unbroken praise. Field and forest, vale and mountain, flowery meadow, flashing sea, chanting bird and flowing fountain. Guess what they do? They call us to rejoice in thee. And then here comes the invitation. Mortals, that's you and me, by the way. Mortals, join the mighty chorus which the morning stars began. Love divine is reigning over us binding all within its span. What does this all mean? It means that no matter where you look or whether or not you look, the universe itself declares the holy presence and action of God. And so do you. And so do you. That within you is evidence that the holiness of God, the sanctity of God, the beauty, the grace, the love of God is closer than we could have possibly imagined. And we hear these words that I asked you to turn to a moment ago. The words are 1 Corinthians 3.16. Listen. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Beloved, in you right now is everything that is to give evidence of God's holy presence. This is why in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says, look, I know it's hard for you to believe because the thing that gives you most evidence is what you look at in the mirror in the morning and you are reminded of your, your unfinished imperfections. Yes, I know. You are clay, but you have this treasure in clay jars so that none of us will think that this beautiful thing is from us but knows that it's from God and that we host divinity no matter where we go. I think, I think that's what this bread is really all about. I do. When you think about all of the options that Jesus had to try to communicate what we're talking about here, all of the ways in which God was somehow, or Christ was somehow able to, to give us a reminder that we are near the holy, no matter how or far we go, how far we go. Of all the options, he chooses bread and cup, the most ordinary, plain elements 
and infuses it with amazing meaning. Just as he, in his human life, was infused with amazing presence, the presence of God. And just like you and I, plain as we are, humble and simple, are infused with the company of Christ. That's why we eat this bread. And every time we eat it, it allows us to literally consume a reminder that down deep within us is something more holy and more sacred than we could have possibly imagined. So in just a moment, we're going to do that. In just a moment, here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing. We're going to sing about this amazing grace that allows any of this to happen, this amazing grace that allows us to somehow recognize that we are in the company of something holy and pure and good and beautiful. And as we're singing Amazing Grace, I want us to do a couple of things. I'm asking uh, the pastoral staff for them and for their families to join me at the table. And I'm also asking those who served on the worship study group or the implementation teams, these are your leaders who enabled all these transitions to take place and enabled this conversation of discernment to unfold over these last two years. I want those members and their families to join me. And when I come to the table, you go ahead and come with me. And I want to lead us out of this sanctuary together. And as we take the cup and the bread and the juice and we come out this aisle, I invite the rest of you to come too. Bob will continue to give us music as we consider the amazing grace that sustains us even as we walk out. And as we walk, your job is to simply exit the, the door nearest you. Somehow get out of the, the room the way you came in. And we will cue a line or, or an assembly at the beginning of the rotunda outside the Family Life Center. We'll wait there for everybody to assemble, to get behind us, ready to walk in. And then the sounds of music will call us into that room. We leave this room singing Amazing Grace. We are drawn into that room singing, Amazing Grace, my chains are gone. And as you move into that room, you'll notice on the back of your worship guide, there is a map. You will see on this map five stations where there is bread and there is cup and there are deacons all over that room, even right now, tuning in. Hey, guys, we're coming. Heads up. And they are at these five different communion stations. Your job is to not order yourself and get in line. Your job is to simply gather around them. There will be deacons who act as traffic marshals who will help you gather in. And we'll gather in singing. The band will be singing. We'll sing along with them. And as we do, at just the right time, we'll break bread. You'll be asked to step forward and they'll give you a piece of bread and you dip the edge of it in the cup and you take it. And when you take it, then you step back and allow someone else to move close to the station. In that room, there are chairs around the perimeter of the room for those who may need to sit and cannot stand for a long period of time. It may be if you're challenged uh, with your mobility, you may just want to go right to those chairs and someone will be watching and someone will be prepared to bring the bread and cup to you, to serve you. Let's take care of each other as we move our way into the room. We'll take communion, we'll say a prayer, we'll sing one more song and we will consecrate that space and ourselves together. For now, Glenn, let's sing about this amazing grace. Stand to your feet, and when we leave the room, you meet us 
along the way.